the grain. Looking at big ideas through the lens of small communities. A podcast where arts, culture, and the human experience intersect. Tackling serious topics through fun perspectives. Seeking that grain of truth. Welcome to The Grain. Today we'll be talking about the South. I'm your host, Jody Srutak. I'm here with my co-host, Darren McLeod. Let's get to it. All right. So today we're talking about the South. That's right. The last mythical region of the country, the South. Now, if you notice, I called it the mythical region of the country. You know why? Because you could be from anywhere in the United States of America. You could be from Afghanistan. You could be from Bucharest. You could be from Nigeria. You could be from all over the world and have never visited the South, never set foot on any Southern soil, but yet you know everything about the South and especially everything that's wrong with the South and the ways to fix it, regardless of what us Southerners think. So I'm gonna start with that premise, Jody. What do you think when I say something like that? Am I just making that up or you think there's some um, some validity to that statement? I think as we say here, there's a grain of truth. There's a grain of truth? You <laughs> see think- how we did it? We get good at this, Jody, we get good at this. <laughs> No, I do. I think there's a grain of truth to that. I think, you know, so I, if you've been listening to our podcast for a little while, you know that I was originally uh, from upstate New York, um, not New York City region, but, you know, further up kind of uh, on the border of Pennsylvania. And I moved down to the South when I was in my 20s, my early 20s. So I've lived almost half my life uh, in the South. And I do consider myself a southerner now. It's been so long. Um, but when I first moved here, first of all, I was not planning to stay. I think that's kind of an important thing. I just thought it would be a summer, maybe two. And I definitely had ideas about the South and, and what the South was and was not and everything that was wrong with the South. And Well, Jody, don't just say share, <laughs> share. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, I think the the biggest takeaway, I mean, this is a long time ago too. I mean, it's, it's all, almost 20 years ago, but mm-hmm. um, the biggest thing for me was it felt like going back in time. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, there was a culture shock for sure. Uh, and I didn't even move to like a rural area. I moved to a resort area. You know, I live near Hilton Head Island. When I moved down here, I did, lived on Hilton Head Island. Um, but some of the attitudes, you know, the pace. Oh my gosh, Darian, the pace of everything. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, mercy. I'm just remembering it now. Like I've adjusted. Mm-hmm. But when I first moved here, I mean, I used to just get so frustrated with how slow everything was. Mm-hmm. Including speech and everything, right? Oh, everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, how fast people drive. How long people will make small talk with you. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you're in line at the post office and you get something done and you only have 15 minutes to get this thing done and... You're there and the person checking you out, at, you know, 
selling your stamps is talking about their cat <laughs> and how their cat got sick. And the vet, and you know the vet, you know the one they went to, not the one on Burnt Church Road, but the one on Simmonsville Road. That oh, vet. that vet, yeah, that yeah, vet. It's mm-hmm. like, and you're just like mm-hmm. slowly dying inside. <laughs> Like, I just want to mail this. I just want to mail this. Just have to mail can a I letter. Just, can I just get out of here? <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, now that I've lived here a long time and I've adjusted to it and this is my home, like I, that, that, that switch has flipped and I feel like, you know, why is everybody in a rush? <laughs> 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 slow down people slow down y'all are so demanding <laughs> <laughs> I, can i say a couple of things about what you said first it's interesting that you landed in hilton head in a resort area specifically because one of the things about resort areas the south does feel different but especially these resort areas literally their economy their iconography, their identity is built on the past, built on slowing time down. You know, there's this illusion that they are, they they try to hold on to the mythology of the old South as much as possible. You know what I mean? So there is that weird thing. They purposely, the industry is, is driven by this kind of deceleration of time. You know, and you go there and there's all these, like there was a long time, I was, I was almost in my thirties before I began to like Charleston. Because I remember going down there and you would go down there for whatever you go down. I didn't go down there a whole lot, but whatever I went there for, you'd always see plantation this and plantation hills and this plan, you know, some, some hotel is plantation this and antebellum this and that and they very much identify with like i said this mythology oh yeah the old south so you know being a young black man especially i found it particularly offensive well as someone who was from up north who moved mm. down here and wasn't you know i didn't realize that that's how it is um on hilton head and mm-hmm. and you know the areas surrounding our neighborhoods are called that mm-hmm. head plantation sea pines mm-hmm. plantation rose hill plantation and i remember saying to my sister because she lived here before i did when i and she's the reason why i moved down here and i said how how are people comfortable with that like mm-hmm. how nobody thinks that's racist mm-hmm. at all and mm-hmm. she's like, I mean, if they do, they just go. With, that's just how it's always been. That's you just see, the way it is here. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Because I also remember, like, going to Charleston and, like, you know, doing whatever I had to do. And then, like, going out into the neighborhoods to do whatever. Maybe go visit a friend or whatever. And I always felt, I used to always tell people that Charleston was like a, felt like a pressure cooker to me. Like, like, any second it was about to blow. Because... You know, that's what's presented. But when you go in the neighborhoods and you talk to the black people, then you talk to the, it was, it was another, it, it was almost like, I remember one time telling a friend of mine, he checked me real quick about this too. That's like, I remember going to see him in Charleston. I was like, oh, pissed off. That's like, oh, this neighborhood pisses me off. It's like, it makes me feel like it's in the third world. Like these people here are just being abused. And he said, that's funny. 
That's how I feel when I go down North Maine in Columbia. And that's like, ooh, touche. But it's a definite, um, you see, could ride up King Street and you could mm -hmm. see where the money started and where the money stopped, depending on yeah. which direction you're going from. Depending on which direction you're going from, it's so clear the haves and the have nots, nots. Those lines, those separations, those segregations, those divisions, whatever you want to call them, they were very clear. And because it wasn't my city, I guess it was even more pronounced. You know, in Columbia, I've learned to live with those. I know what neighborhoods are the poor. I expect, I know what to expect. In someone else's neighborhood, I'm, you know, like, what the hell's going on here? But then, um, it's a very Southern thing, I think, that has. And then when I went to New Orleans, it felt the same way, you know, and North Carolina is a little tricky because they had the triangle, the research triangle. Mm -hmm. So that was a little tricky. But when you get outside of that, just, well, every Southern city, every Southern state, excuse me, there's Atlanta and then there's Georgia. You know, yeah. there's... The metropo metropolitan area, which is kind of one thing on its own. And then there's the larger state, which is a whole other personality, whole other tone, whole other ideology. So it's really interesting, even being from here, making note of those um, characteristics you're talking about, Jody, but also kind of understanding where some of them come from. Like, say, you know, it's profitable to sell country time lemonade with the image of, you know, some old white man sitting on the front porch with his feet kicked up, swinging back and forth in a rocker, reminiscing and lamenting the loss of, you know, be waxing nostalgic about the loss of, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. When the reality is those times were really brutal. And if you weren't uh, rich or white, uh, they were really brutal. You know, so the mythology of the South is that it does do that. It messes with time. It messes with the overall perception. Yeah, it's strong. It's very strong. Yeah, and the the juxtaposition of, you know, like you said, the time. I mean, it, we are, you know, it, we are in the modern time. It's 2021. It, we're definitely not in the antebellum South. Mm -hmm. um, but. Yeah, that was a shock to me coming down here and seeing all the neighborhoods. Being Let me ask you something. What about, because when you first came here, the uh, um, Confederate flag was still flying. Mm -hmm. Did you have any feelings about that? I just, it was, it was shocking to me, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then, you know, we always called it the Civil War <laughs> up north, mm. but then I, found out that there were still people here who called it the war of northern aggression <laughs> and uh, and it those like, people are in the minority but they are here they are here yeah, and yeah, but right. you know at the at the state house the confederate flag was flying at the state house which right. was Bananas. and yeah i mean that that was still just when did that come down two years ago five years no ago? it's been more than that it was Quite during recent, right nikki haley's term was it so you're right. It's within five years. You're probably right. Yeah. You're probably yeah. right around there. Probably within five. It, I'll tell you exactly when it happened. It happened shortly after Dylan Roof, after the massacre in Charleston. After the yeah, Charleston. Yeah. Okay. Night. That's right. It yes. It happened yes. shortly after that. Yep. Yeah. 
and yeah. partially do respond because um, Nikki Haley, one of the things I found really frustrating was across the country, Nikki Haley is being celebrated as this, you know, this great unifier. And he's, you know, she's pretty, oh, she did the right thing with just literally weeks before that. There's, you know, documentation of Nikki Haley saying there's nothing wrong with the Confederate flag. We're not taking it down. You know, it's not impact. It's not doing anything wrong. And then after Dylan Roof, you know, and to at least peer on the right side of history, she may. And another thing was there had been a big backlash in this this city, this state forever against that flag. That was not new. Right. That was not new. Um, the March on the Dome, which is the first um, Martin Luther King, official Martin Luther King Day march on the dome, the protest of flag and other things. I think it was like, ah, oh, it was a crazy number of people. I mean, I remember there, there were photographs in French newspapers, you know, there's like 100,000 people marching on the Capitol saying, you know, take this flag down amongst other things. And then all of a sudden, because Nikki Haley was governor, and uh, she signed whatever document she had to sign. It became, she got to claim it. You know, it became her right. issue. Well, and I, I didn't think she acknowledged any of the other politicians in the state who were actively fighting for it, and definitely not the people of the state. You well, know, it's not always what it seems. Yeah, that also just, I mean, here we are with today. We're recording this in May, right. uh, 2021. No idea when it'll air, but this one we're recording it. Um, South Carolina is one of the few states that still has not passed a hate crimes law. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. still celebrate Confederate Memorial Day mm -hmm. as a state holiday. So, you know, a friend of mine just got a state gig. She just got a new gig. She left the gig she'd been in for many years and just started a state gig. And Confederate Memorial Day was just a few, I think it was like two weeks, three weeks ago. And mm -hmm. she said when she first started, they were like, oh, well, you know, you have this day off. And she's like, oh, okay, uh, why do I have that day off? And he was like, oh, it's a state holiday. And she's like, oh, it's a state. And she was like confused. Cause she's like, I don't remember, what, how? And they were like, oh, it's Confederate Memorial Day. And she was like, I might just come to work anyway. <laughs> I was like, pardon me? <laughs> You know why we got Confederate Memorial Day, right? Do you know that story? Well, I don't, I, I mean, I have some ideas, but let's tell the story. <laughs> no, no, I want to hear your ideas first. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of it, the same reason why people still fly fly the Confederate flag. Oh, right, uh-huh. Right, so uh -huh. they're, they're, some people, their ancestors are, they still consider them to be war heroes. From, right, be patriots. From the Confederate yeah, from even the though they were treasonous era. and fought on the lo losing side, but they were patriots. Whatever, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> tomato, that, not tomato. But anyway, <laughs> that is the. I mean, it's context, right? Uh, I, I mean, that civil war, right? Like the South was the first state to secede from the Union. Yeah, South Carolina was the first. Yes, yeah, South the first Carolina. First among, amongst yeah. many things. But the the thing I was the point I was trying to make, what I was trying to get at was once uh, Martin Luther King holiday was approved here, it became an official federal um, holiday. Yes. Um, they created the Confederate Memorial Day as some type of trade off. Uh -huh. so the idea was, well, if you get Martin Luther King Day, we we gonna get Confederate Memorial Day, and it's like what? It's like okay, we'll we'll just stay home, I guess, because y'all ain't gonna be at work, but we won't be doing any Confederate stuff. 
but yeah. yeah, it was it was made it was created as a a one off for uh, Martin Luther King for the Martin Luther King holiday, which oh. is just ratified. Ooh, I should have done some of my homework before again, but ratified fairly recently also. Fairly recently also. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So you can see why people across the country get could get confused about the South and think the South is made. But at the same time, the South is populated by a lot of some of the coolest things of the country. For one thing, it is it's the place where African Americans come to this country. You know, um, basically the main ports were uh Virginia and South Carolina. You know, so this is the this is the the um landing point for a lot of it. And we know what all that culture, what that brings with us for the country culturally. I mean, uh from food to music to culture to thought, to deep critical thought, all the, you know, with, with the Africans and the African-Americans, what they bring with that. I mean, can you imagine this country without the influence of black people, what it would be like? It'd be like, I, it would not be what Amer what we think of as America. You know, one of the, one of the greatest exports of America is black culture. You know, you go across the world and people know what jazz is. You go across the world, people know what hip hop is. Yeah. You know? Uh, you go across the world, people understand the fashion sense created by, you know, and that's just talking popular. I'm not even talking about critical thought. You know, people like Martin Luther King and, um, you know, Fan, you know, Fannie Lou Hamm, all these great Southern freedom fighters, you know, who've literally taught the world when the world rebels, a lot of times they're taking their notes from what happened in the South, in the South, Southern part of America, was not the United States. I shouldn't say America, because that's a lot of Americas actually, but the United States of America, you know, but people don't think about that. They just think of uh, 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 black people in the South as downtrodden. They just think of white people in the South as slave owners, where there's a lot more history than that. There's, you've got to go way deeper than that. You've got to go way deeper than that. Well, we're also coming up on the anniversary of the of the Tulsa, Oklahoma, mm. uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Black Black Wall Street massacre. So, look, can I ask you a question about that? Did you? How did did you have you did you grow up knowing about that? I did not. Uh, well, you know what? Quite as is kept, I didn't grow up knowing about that either. Right. I was. Um, I'm much older than you. I'm a whole generation older than you, but I was in my. 30s, I think, when I first learned about that, which would be like 20-something years ago. I would say maybe over 25 years ago when I heard about it for the first time. And how did you hear about it for the first time? Well, I I don't know the first time, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, it was relatively recently. It was within the last 10 years that I mm -hmm. probably that I was made aware of it. But honestly, I think that that's um, you know, that coming into the mainstream of things that people are aware of is because they, uh, there's been a movement for African-American studies to be added, not just to university curriculum, but also, you know, because it's always been there for university curriculum, as, at, at least as long as, you know, since the time I was at college, mm -hmm. but um, in mainstream 
you know, high school curriculum. Yeah. There, an effort to, you know, incorporate more diverse stories because so much of the history that we were taught, you and I were taught. So I went to high school in the late nineties. You went to high school probably in the- I graduated in 1981. So the high school okay. prim primarily, well, I guess you split it. The late seventies, the end of the seventies, the very beginning yeah. of the eighties. Yeah. So at that point in time, most of the history that we learned was from a pretty much a white male perspective. Oh my God. You know, when yeah. I was in school, um, I'd never heard of the Tulsa uh, massacre. I'd never heard, uh, Malcolm X was not noted and a few things we would get about Malcolm X was that he was just this mad dog who hated white people. Uh, Martin Luther King, all they taught us really about Martin Luther King was King um, the peacemaker, which is huge, but we never learned that part of King, you know, resistance, organized resistance, what this really meant, you know, how strong King was standing in his truth. You know, we didn't learn, like I said, about the Tulsa massacre, you know, quite as is kept, there's a, there were massacres and um, there were, there were uprisings in almost every, every state. Atlanta had a huge one right around the time of Tulsa. I think they call it the red summer. Nobody still talks about it. Nobody talks about that. The situation that happened in Wilmington, the massacre that occurred in Wilmington, um, that's just kind of coming to light recently. I've um, heard about that one too. Yeah, yeah. So there's so many of these stories out there because part of the mythology of the South was that Black people were docile, you know, and Black people, um, you know, when, when things happened, like one of the things that actually happened in South Carolina was, um, a lot of the resistance was actually the a lot of the media, a lot of the press kind of had this agreement, I guess this gentleman's agreement, not to report some of the um resistance. Yeah. So South Carolina appeared to be uh this kind of peaceful eye in the storm when it was just like every place else. There was all this tumult here, there's all this back and forth, all this pain, all people fighting, people fighting. One of the things that made Tulsa so you know, difficult. I mean, not just the sheer number of people that were killed. So mm -hmm. let's let's tell people if they're not familiar with it. So so there was an area of Tulsa, Oklahoma, that was known as the Black Wall Street. Mm -hmm. So they had they had a very prosperous um, business community among black people it, at that time. And this was like 100 years ago now. So yeah, I think the, the 100th anniversary was just it's this year. I yeah, I want to say it's like a couple yeah. weeks ago. Maybe. No, May 31. I had to Google it to make okay, sure May 31. I miss okay. any of the details because I don't mm -hmm. want to mess it up if I'm telling people. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure I had it right. <laughs> but yeah, May 31, 1921. Mm -hmm. um, and they, I mean, they, they had, you know, a very thriving business community among um, Black people there in this part of Oklahoma. And so basically, uh, they they were attacked and their businesses mm -hmm. were burned to the ground. And a lot of people slaughtered 300 people. Mm -hmm. died. They they uh, air bombed. They air bombed their community. I mean, air bombed like, wow. You know, like, and, but like I said, that community, as horrific as that story is, that's not singular by 
any means. You know, the whole idea, one of the frustrating things is always hearing people, you know, um, even sometimes including black people, this whole bootstrap mentality. Well, what's wrong with the what's wrong with the black race? Why can't they pick themselves up? So it's like they we picked ourselves up over and over again, only for you know to be massacred, you know, for for the rules to change. Like, okay, what's going on with the election right now? You know, all these places, the only only place the um, results are being contested are places where uh, Republicans lost, and mostly lost because due to the black vote. You know, that, that can't happen, that can't happen. But it did happen. But, oh, let me change the rules. Well, now they're changing the rules. Well, you used to get, you know, uh, write-in votes or mail-in votes for this, now they're gonna be that. You know, whatever, they're gonna be, start on this day, now they're gonna end on, now they're gonna start on that day. You know, this whole thing. And that's kind of part of the country's history, but part that's really pronounced in the South. It's not, you know, to relegated to the South only, but it's really pronounced in the South. But I got a question for you. Did you did you watch um, the HBO series Watchmen? No, I did not. And you know, it's funny you said that because I was just looking for something to watch last night, and I thought, I wonder, maybe I should watch that. But then it's I good. realized, it. yeah, it's good. <laughs> okay, now you're talking to a, uh, I mean, super comic book nerd. So when the original graphic novel first came out, I was, you know. When the books came out, I, you know, I was there. I was there when they came out, read them, blah, 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 all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, um, it's central to the HBO series. The HBO series is, you know, it's not an adaptation of the graphic novel. It's what's happening in that world contemporarily, what's happening in that world right now. And Tulsa factors hugely in that story. I don't want to tell you because it really is good even if you didn't know. But I think a lot of that, I think that series actually was largely largely responsible for thrusting Tulsa into the mainstream. Yeah, I mean, it could be, you know, and, and I think we start to see this as we get more voices, you know, more diverse voices in the arts and, and in education and in business, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll start to hear those untold stories. You yeah, know? You're, you're sort of, the, the universe is expanding. Like even in, in South Carolina, Columbia, I grew up in a, basically a binary world, black and white. But now here in that community, well, in 29203, there's Asian, there's Latin, Latinx, whatever nomenclature you want to use. There's Latin people, there's Asian people. There's, you know, we talk about the contributions of, of, of the queer population. You know, we talk about um, natives are starting to come back and focus, focus. I say starting to come back because they were the original people, you know. Mm -hmm. Now the, the universe is expanding. And like to your point, we're hearing these stories that were always here. But now we're actually getting a chance in mass, on mass, to hear them and to talk about them and debate them. And, you know, what does this mean to American history? I talked about what, you know, what is America without black people? What's America without Asian people? What is America without native people? You know, what is America without, without black people? What is America without women? Well, Green family, that was a lot to take in. 
Thank you so much for listening today. We are going to continue this conversation on the South in a future episode. Darian, anything to add? Yeah. Like you said, it's a lot. The South has a lot to offer, good and bad. But um, I'm really excited about the next episode because I don't think people will can anticipate how we're going to come at them, how we're going to talk about the South, at least how we're going to begin to talk about the South. Tell them, Jody, tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. Am I going to give away all our secrets or? Hmm, maybe you're right. They'll just have to listen, won't they? I guess so. Make sure you tune in next time. And don't forget to subscribe to The Grain for more great episodes. The Grain Podcast is brought to you through a grant from the Knight Foundation in partnership with Indie Grits Labs and the lovely people of 29203. Thanks to our audio engineer, Isabel Alvarado, and our hosts, Darren McLeod and Jody Srutek.